listening to Bleeding Page Podcast. Join authors Chad Lutsky and Jason Brandt as they delve into writing and publishing the dark side of fiction. Chad Lutsky. Jason Brandt. What's going on, man? Uh, just trying to, trying to keep my head on straight. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. Being busy is a good thing, but uh, it makes it feel like you've got mom brain or something. Mom brain? Yeah, isn't that a thing? When, when uh, women we just have babies, they... Maybe. I... <laughs> I also don't know what I'm talking about, but yeah, I thought that was the thing, like uh, lack of sleep. Oh, okay, because you mean being a mom to... is such a hard job. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying like moms are dumbasses. <laughs> like moms are dumb. <laughs> oh, God. Best intro ever. Speaking of dumbasses, we just got done talking <laughs> to Tim Meyer. We did. It was good to have him on here. Uh, good guy. I loved him. Yeah. As we get into it, we both have uh, significant backgrounds with Tim, so it was cool to talk to him. And I, Obviously, you guys have written a book together, but for all the hours I've podcasted with him, it's funny that we're both authors and have spent very little time actually talking, talking about the yeah. business. It's odd. That is weird. Yeah. Well, you guys have been at cons together. You guys didn't talk books at all there either. No, I I met him at one book signing he was at years ago, and then we were at Scares together. Maybe I guess it's probably three years ago now. No, we just drank beer. I don't remember ever talking about. <laughs> I'm sure I bought one of his books. I've read his books, but I don't think mm-hmm. I've ever uh, talked to him much. So it was good to get some insight on exactly what the hell is going on with the project you have with him and. All kinds of other stuff he has, including an exorbitant amount of trunk novels. Yeah, five or six of them, he said. Yeah. He's very prolific. Yeah. He writes a little bit more than I do, which makes me jealous. <laughs> a lot more than I do. Yeah. He he definitely writes. Uh, we've been uh, talking for a year, talking about doing another book together. And um, there was a couple things that just haven't lined up for one. Uh, we couldn't really agree on anything. And I, and I briefly touched on this before. I think when we were talking to Keelan Patrick Burke, um, once in a while, we'll send each other. A, a, I mean, well, I talk to him every day, but once in a while, we'll, one of us will get a message and it'll just simply say, what about this? You know, and then they'll, we'll kind of bounce, you know, maybe it'll spark an idea. And I came up with a really cool, what I thought was a, a cool idea and he loved it. So that was going to be it. And we're like, okay, and then we can do this and then this. And it was about uh, a a band that was going to go way out in uh, BFE somewhere and record some music. And we've been wanting to write a slasher. I think he wants to write something that's intelligent where I want to write something that's just stupid for a change. You know, it's just uh, like when you look at the cover, you know that, oh, this is just a dumb blood filled, you know, splatter fest. Um, so we sounds like my kind of book <laughs> quite agreed. Yeah. But I, I just wanted to kind of like just have fun and, you know, have humor and gore and stuff in there. And, uh, but yeah, so we, and then, and then as this band is recording with their groupies and stuff, there's, uh, like I said, it's a slasher and people start getting killed. The band members are getting killed and stuff. And then, um, once we were talking more about it, I saw a trailer for a movie. 
And it was the book we were going to write, essentially, from what it looked like in the trailer. And I sent it to Tim, and I was like, um, I don't think we're going to be able to write that book anymore. And it was it was uh, the Foo Fighters movie. Oh, yeah. So yeah, that, there went that, that got a little publicity. Out. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, you know, I haven't seen the movie, but looking at the trailer, I knew enough. I mean... I know that it's a little bit different. I think Dave Grohl becomes possessed and kills his own band members and, you know, kind of thing. That sums it up, yeah. So, uh, ours was different. You know, there was going to be some some kind of killer elsewhere, but, but same kind of scenario, you know, going off, recording, people start to die, they're being killed. So, I we're not doing that. And so, we haven't fallen into uh, something again. We're still toying around with some some ideas. So we'll see. I don't know. We're. N- I don't think either one of us are in a hurry. Well, I mean, I'm sure he'll have seven more novels finished by the time you guys uh, get. All, yeah, on all it. at least a thousand or a hundred thousand words. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yep. Uh, anything you want to add before we jump into the interview here? Uh, I don't think so. No, I, I appreciate um, everyone who's been listening to. I get the sense that uh, you know when we share the podcast or when I share the podcast. Um, on Twitter. Yeah, because I'm not on <laughs> social media at all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't share you know, anything. It doesn't get a lot of shares, but people are talking about it, you know, more than they're actually like clicking like and subscribing and doing that kind of thing. So that's pretty cool. Um, and I appreciate that. Uh, still getting emails from agents. I just got another two in the last week of people wanting to be on the podcast. And I hate just outright turning people down. Um, but I just try to explain that for now, what we've been doing is just, uh, basically grabbing people that we are either good friends with or that we are well acquainted with. I mean, I wouldn't consider myself being well acquainted with Keelan Patrick Burke, but I've had conversations with him and, and I'm more familiar with him and that kind of thing. So, um, sometimes, you know, I, I, never heard of an author and and so i don't you know i usually tend to try to read a book um by the author that that if i've never read them before like when we had Mm -hmm. michael brent collings i had heard of him i had never read him Mm -hmm. bought one of his books before he came on and we had a good conversation and uh he's a great writer it was a great book and so i'd like to do that and sometimes um it's not i just don't want to you know i guess i would encourage people to continue to do so but don't I don't want to hurt any feelings if I say, well, you know, maybe down the road we'll do something where we can uh, open up a little bit more when we've kind of gone through our list of people that we've would really. I can't imagine it'll be that long from now, but uh, yeah, you know, uh, it pays yeah. to be judicious, particularly when we're trying to get the footing. So no, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I started on my website. Finally, I talked about it, I think months ago that I was mm-hmm. going to have to start doing this. And I finally like, just today started working with Squarespace. So I'm trying to figure out the the way it works and everything. And then once I get that, I'm going to port my mailing list over to it because I think I'm going to go from paying about 130 bucks a month for my mailing list down to maybe 50 for my mailing list and my website combined through Squarespace, which nice. would be great. Yeah. Um, so the, the fees look good. And so far the, Website editor looks pretty simple, but just having to rebuild all my whole website is going to take me a while. That is not something I ever want to do. No, I'm not thrilled about it, but, you know, 
opportunities, not obstacles, blah, blah, blah. I'll figure out a way to make this. So what, what is the drive for that? That, that, that? I mean, you don't have a website right now because it went down, right? But then yeah, it, it went, went back up. It did, but now the server is done. So I need okay. to, and I've needed to rebuild it for years. It, it was on an old theme that wasn't really being updated anymore. And just, right. uh, like I said, I'm thinking about going maybe exclusive with Amazon here at some point in the near future. So rebuilding all my book pages and not having to put all the links and update all that stuff. You know, it's a good opportunity to, to do that anyway. Right. So work on that stuff. You know, I'll try to maybe integrate my YouTube business into my website a little more. I'm not sure yet. I have to see what all Squarespace allows for that, but um, they have a pretty nice feature for selling signed books. They can monitor inventory and take orders and all of that. So I'm kind of looking forward to getting into that a little bit. It's something I haven't done much. Uh, you know, if people, email me and ask for a signed book, you know, Hey, yeah, yeah. Pay, shoot me some money on PayPal. But if I could have all my books listed of, as what I have in inventory and it takes the orders and, you know, then I just ship it. That would be really nice. I think so, a lot more people, including small presses are doing that lately. Yeah. Yeah. That feels like the way to go. So having, having a store on their, on their website. Yeah, exactly. And it's just Squarespace and I think it uses square for checkout, but I'm not hundred percent sure on that either. So, I will hopefully have some updates here in the next few episodes. And if it goes smoothly, I will let everyone know. And if it, if it doesn't, I will definitely let everyone know. And then so, you'll have to write another book to put on it. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> All right. Without any further ado, let's jump into the Tim Meyer interview. Let's do it. Get a lot written today? Yes. Tim Meyer, welcome to Bleeding Page. Hey, thanks for having me, Brant. <laughs> this will probably be a bit of an awkward interview for people to listen to because the three of us haven't spent much time talking before. So uh, never we'll just be kind of trying to feel out this whole podcasting thing with each other. Yeah. Hmm. Going to so, be shy. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Tim was on Final Guys with me for, what, a year and a half? Something About like that? About that, yeah, yeah. It was, it was quite a while. Ooh. And... Recently disappeared into the ether. Ether? Yes. Another. I quit. We, we couldn't agree on contract negotiations. It got ugly. It was titane. Uh, things were said. <laughs> <laughs> All the things were said titan. during titane. Things were said. Feelings were hurt. No, I'm just kidding. But I will say this. Of all the uh, podcast episodes we've done, we've probably not really talked about writing much. No, I don't think we've ever really, besides like, you know, Small stuff here and there for right, new books something. out, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Read this. But you guys have obviously talked about writing quite a bit. You've written a book together, mm-hmm. which oh, is yeah. we did. my favorite book. So that year might have been my favorite book that year, actually. Oh, well, thank you. And how, I guess we could just kick off with that. How did you guys, like, who approached whom about writing Wormwood together? How did that even start? It's a, it's a funny story. So actually, um, I was listening to chad talk about his youth on another podcast i want to say it was this is horror it Um, was because uh it was uh, i couldn't believe that uh michael david wilson just out of nowhere because he does his research and he's like i understand that you were like gotten some legal trouble around probation when you were like 12 and i was like what (laughs) (laughs) he like did a legit background check on you wow I've never heard this story. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so Chad was talking about 
his legal troubles when he was a, a youth. And uh, just like the stories he was, he was saying about like just going into houses and when nobody was home and like doing bad stuff in them. Um, I don't know it, for some reason that story just like kickstarted an idea in my head and um, I got like really motivated to write it and I kind of started writing some stuff about it. And then uh, I reached out to Chad cause Chad and I go way back. Like we used to, both write for horror novel reviews, which was like a website that reviewed horror novels. Obviously. I remember that. Is that still a uh, thing? No, no, no it is. I'm an I'm an admin there. I just posted on there today, but the the founder has passed away. He passed yeah, away oh, that's ago. what it was. Yeah, yeah Matt so I, Yeah, um, but yeah. So Chad and I go way back, and uh, I just reached out to him and I was like, "Hey, uh, you're I I like the podcast interview. You're." your story kind of uh, inspired me to start writing something. And uh, he was like, Oh, cool, man. I was like, yeah, if you, uh, if you want to collaborate on it, like, let me know if that's something you want to do. And he was like, yeah, yeah, let's, you know, take a look at what you got. And I think I'd sent him over some stuff and he was like, this is terrible. I don't want anything to do with it, but (laughs) if uh, you rewrite everything, we could do something. I'm like, all right, sounds good to me. <laughs> so that's kind of what we did. We just kind of came up with a, a story using like the same idea, like the same central idea about uh, a bunch of kids and them kind of um, breaking into houses and, and doing bad stuff and getting into trouble. And then the idea kind of snowballed from there, but yeah, that's kind of how it all came together. So you heard this delinquent story and thought, yeah. I want to go into business with him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. This sounds like my kind of guy. <laughs> that's, that's an interesting play. I don't think I've heard that one. Breaking the law. <laughs> breaking the law. And you guys have actually been, well, I shouldn't say shopping anymore. I mean, it's been options. You wrote the screenplay. Now you're just trying to see if it gets rolling into production. Is that where we're at? Yeah. I mean, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, kind of. We're kind of at the point where we, I mean, we never had super high hopes. Just, to, I, I think it's important for anybody to, who gets approached with, you know, movie people or whatever that, that can make something happen, just kind of be like, oh, that would be cool. We'll mm-hmm. see. You know, don't get too excited. And that was kind of our attitude from the get go. Um, trying anyway, you know, but then the more people that got involved, the more it seemed like it was going to happen. Uh, I mean, for a while, we, I, I, who's used to say, I mean, we could get a phone call or, 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 you know, a message or whatever any day, but as of right now, there's nothing that, it's gone through some really cool hands. Um, uh, one in particular that I don't think it was a good fit in the first place, and they didn't either. Because when you look at the roster of films, it's like, why would you want to do Wormwood? Wormwood <laughs> is not anything like these other great movies, but the, the other movies are just, they're uh, like off the wall more kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's been a, it's been a cool journey though. And um, it was, it, it's fun. It's yeah. We would have meetings uh, with the whole team and we got a director signed on. We got, uh, you know, the, uh, the production team right, right away, obviously. Um, and Josh Mellerman has already mentioned this a couple times in podcasts, so I'll just say it's spin a black yarn. Him and Ryan Lewis's thing, uh, who did uh, we need to do something? 
with uh, Max Booth the Third's uh, book, and mm-hmm. I think that uh, and this was Tim. This was like what two years ago. It was like uh, the book hadn't even been half- out yet, and they wanted it. Yeah, and the book came out in 2020, right? Like the latter half of uh, yeah. 2020. Like so the, yeah, it was like the like summer the of, 2020. of 2020. So like, yeah, we're approaching almost two years that we were approached. Uh, but I mean, it took us like a good, I don't know, like nine months to actually hammer out um, uh, like a final draft of the screenplay. No way. Uh, I think it took us about that long between all the rewrites and revisions and notes and stuff. It seemed like it went really pretty fast. I mean, dude, they've been shopping it for over a year, like a year. Oh, maybe, maybe six months. Maybe I'm maybe a little bit. But it was it was a decent time that we that we put into it. But um, yeah, I mean, we we got the opportunity to uh, collaborate on the screenplay, which is cool because you don't always get that when somebody comes to you and wants to make stuff in a, into a movie mm-hmm. uh so we got that learning experience and working with producers and and you know learning how to write an actual screenplay something that chad had never really experimented with before i've only experimented just for for fun um nothing official so that was a, a really cool learning experience as well and uh just like it's just it's been cool um and even if nothing happens with it I, it's it was still you know worth pursuing. yeah i never see it as a waste of time no definitely even if not. nothing happens it was it was good it was it was neat uh yeah learned some stuff um that's some really but, awesome people yeah and i think um i mean if something did come of it that would be that would be really cool obviously <laughs> but um i don't know it is weird with other people who are like you know, if you feel strongly about something and they're like, well, this needs to go, um, you know, there was a lot taken out or changed and some of it had to do with like budget stuff. Mm. You know, like if, if there's a very short scene in a mall, then that really doesn't have that much significance. There's no sense in having that part in there because then that's just another location that they have to, they right. have to pay for. Yeah. But there, I, there, I mean, there was, it's, um, well, one thing in particular that I really didn't want to cut out. <laughs> and I, in, uh, I think that it, it's, it's one scene that was actually Tim's idea that I think sets, uh, because when I look at Wormwood, I look at it as something that has been done before. I don't, I don't think that it's truly original. I think that it's good, but I don't think that, I mean, this kind of thing has kind of you know, been done before, but, uh, there was something that had, that was asked to be cut that I thought kind of set it aside from, uh, you know, a, a little bit more on its own. Uh, I don't know. That's my, Tim knows that I feel real strongly about that, <laughs> about that, that one scene, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's been, it's been fun and, uh, yeah, it's, it's so hard to get a movie made, you know, I mean, movies cost yeah. millions of dollars to make and um i don't know millions of dollars are hard to find out there you, so. you guys have made it further than i made it i mean i had a couple options i had one actual screenplay completed that was shopped but i never got to like having a director attached or anything like that so that's mm-hmm. much further than pretty much anybody else ever gets so we, even we if it doesn't get told- made you got close we were also told that there's an actress and i can't remember what the term is called Tim might remember, but basically an actor and actress can sign something that states, 
I want this part, but if I'm, but if something better comes along, then the letter, I, I letter, to, it's called a letter of intent. So it's like where they, am I frozen? No, I see you. I see you. Oh, you might be frozen, but we can hear you. Bit. Oh, we, we can hear you. So swear some more. Uh, I must be frozen, huh? Oh God. <laughs> This this happens almost every episode. <laughs> you know what's weird? Like I couldn't find my little um, Ethernet cable thing to jack right in, so I'm on Wi-Fi. So I thought this was going to be me. Uh, I mean, you're definitely potato cam, but uh, am I? Yeah, oh, Dude, man. You've been potato cam for two years. Uh, no, when I jack into the to the matrix, I'm I'm usually okay. <laughs> okay, <laughs> he his uh, his. I think tab freezes or his browser or something. No, Terrible. I just froze up. I, I don't know if you guys <laughs> heard any of that, but there's a... We heard you cursing a lot. That was... Yeah, it. yeah. There's a there's a uh, term where a, an actor or an actress... Letter and, of intent. What is it? A letter of intent. Okay, yeah, where they basically say, yeah, I would like this part. Yes. Um, I'm up for it, but if something better comes along or something like that, yeah. um, they, well, they're not what, locked in. So the thing with the movie business is if there's no money, there's like no movie. So like people can sign on to things, but if there's no money to make that movie, then you don't have anything. And so if right. uh, they sign on to something else that does get the money and it goes, and then they're locked up for you know three months or whatever shooting, then they can't commit to this other project that might get the money while they're shooting that. So it's basically just saying, yeah, I, I'd like to be in this, but. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. If we could say who, but it's somebody that uh, we don't need I, to mention I didn't, names, huh? We don't need to mention any names. Yeah, I, it was somebody that I knew by face, but not by name. And you guys know by name. Okay, I think I know Tim did already. We'll talk about that offline. Yeah, yeah we'll I'm talk curious about behind the scenes. I would love love for you guys to get this made, not just so I could ride your coattails, but I would be <laughs> curious to hear about the the financials of what this does to your book sales. Hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm always curious about. I mean, it feels to me like every author, almost not every author, almost all authors, particularly horror authors, the number one goal is to have their book become a movie for whatever reason. That's so many of us Mm -hmm. uh, would love to see that happen. But I'm always curious, even if it's just a small movie, what does that do to your sales? Like, obviously, Bird Box being on Netflix, Sandra Bullock, that, you know, blew up, that sent him into the stratosphere. But what does a a million dollar movie or a $3 million movie do to book sales. I'd be really curious to find that out. Yeah. Yeah. That would be interesting. I hope we find out one day. Hopefully you get very rich. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it'll happen. So you primarily deal with small publishers, right? Is that still the case? Uh, I'm like a mix, man. I kind of bounce back and forth between small press and self publishing. When was the last book you self-published? I thought you'd been doing mostly presses lately. Uh, Pteranodon Canyon that came out last month. I just put out myself. Oh, I didn't realize that was it, a, okay. It had a it had a limited release, hardcover release through Thunderstorm, and then I did my own thing with the uh, paperback and ebook. So, what? How do you end up? deciding which to do do you shop it around and if there are no bites you self-publish or no i mean it, each book is different so it's um, me it's me it's because i've been bugging him for the last year why don't you not, self-publish more yeah i mean 
No, I mean, you, you have good points. And I, I do love our, our little debates between, you know, the self-publish and the the small press route. But kind of just depends on, it depends on a few things, I guess. It depends on how I feel about the content. If it's something like super personal and maybe too weird that, um, you know, small press might not want to take it. I'll, I'll kind of just take it and do it myself. Um, if it's something like malignant summer, that was like 200,000 words and, uh, the editing that it would have cost to get that edited Dude, uh, properly thousands of would have cost a lot of money. So, um, I was like, I kind of need to go through a small press for that. Um, but funny enough that book is no longer with them and now I'm self-publishing it. So, um, I kind of made out. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you have the edited manuscript? So they uh, they pro- when they closed down, they provided me with everything. So I have everything. Oh, I actually just uh, digital I actually, high five on that one. Yeah, I actually just um, actually just got it. Hold on, I'm gonna do a little show and tell if that's cool. Am I allowed to yeah. do that? Please do. I uh, self published a hardcover edition, which came out really nice. It's got like the uh, the book flaps and everything. Oh, could um, you do that through Ingram? Ingram, yeah. So, uh, I, yeah. I, it's such a big book that like I wanted to put it in hardcover, mm-hmm. and uh, I had done that with the Switch House too because that was self published, and I did a, a nice little hardcover edition for that. And uh, I, I like the I like I just like hardcover, so I kind of wanted a copy of it. So, it definitely adds an air of uh, professionalism, I think even just to your Amazon page, having a hardcover on there. Yeah. Yeah. The only drawback is if, uh, if you go and sell through like their expanded distribution, um, and elect to have them return, like you'll sometimes get like a box of books returned to you. Like, I think spark. Yeah. Like you can have, um, you can have expanded distribution. So like a, uh, like for example, like a Barnes and Noble, can like buy 10 copies of of the book but the only way booksellers really buy them is if they can return them if they don't sell them right and uh you can elect to have them just destroy them or get them sent back to you and so i'm like yeah just send them back to me because like when i published it it was kind of like no one's gonna put this stock this in barnes noble right but uh, like the other day, I just got like a return for like twenty books, just like sent right back to me. Really? Um, yeah, it was real strange. So I don't know. Do if you know that's where it like, came from? No, they don't tell you, which is kind of crazy. And maybe they do. Maybe I just haven't looked into it enough. But um, it just like a box of of Switch House books, like twenty of them just showed up. I'm like, what is this? And then I went to my account, and it shows you like like return books, and it gives you the quantity, but it doesn't tell you where it came from. So it gives you some books to use at a convention, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll, they won't go to waste. I'll sell them like that on my website. I'll sell them at conventions. I'll sell them, but it's just like, I hope it doesn't happen too much because I don't have the room to put like a hundred books, you know, it's kind of crazy, but for sure. What were you going to say, Chad? I was just nodding. I wasn't saying anything. Oh, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) i've never gone through ingram i've looked into it multiple times and then i got partway into the process and i was like i got other shit i gotta do and i just never finished it it's um 
it's similar. It's similar to KDP. Um, I don't know if it's, it's probably harder to use because KDP, Amazon makes it pretty easy to just upload your stuff and just go. Um, and Amazon's like the main. So I don't know if you guys are wide or if you guys just do Amazon, but like 95, maybe even 99% of my sales goes directly through Amazon. And KDP just makes that kind of transition a little bit smoother where Ingram Mm -hmm. to go to Amazon, I find it a little bit rougher, like the transition. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, KDP is definitely more user friendly. Yeah, that was my experience just when I was trying to figure it out. I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there that you kind of have to like research and stuff, but it's I not too to, bad. I got turned off by by a publisher who uh, was doing a hardcover release of something of mine. And they had um, spelled something wrong or left a word out right in the introduction. Yeah. And I, I think they caught it or I can't remember... Um, and they're like, oh, no, no problem. I'll, uh, I'll re upload. It's only $25. And I was like, what? For yeah, that one word? Fee. Yeah. And he's like, they also- yeah. And then something else happened and they ate the cost. Something else happened that, uh, was wrong. I can't remember what it was. It may have been the cover or something. It was another 25 bucks. And I was just like, man, I'm not doing that. Yeah. yeah they, they also charge, um, like a reg- like a registration fee or like a processing fee, like right up front to to list the title. It's it's like fifty bucks or something. Yeah, um, yeah. See, I yeah, I'm not. And then with Amazon, I mean, there there are books that I have that, I mean, if if it stated it as edition, that it would be like four or five different editions up there, you know, because I've I've caught a word or maybe somebody else did and said, hey, I just thought you should know or. Or I want to go in and I want to update the um, the call to action at the back of the book, mm. you know, and add new links. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to pay 25 bucks for that. Yeah, no, that's crazy. If, if you're someone who changes that stuff frequently, it doesn't I make do. sense. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's... I've always wondered about that fee. Why? Why do they charge that? Oh, it's just it because they can, I guess. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if... They make a ton of money off self-publishing, just getting people to pay a $50 fee to get their book up there that they're ever going to sell three copies of. Yeah. It's probably how they make most of their money, or at least a, a solid chunk of money would be off that first-time fee. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, well, you said you decide per book on whether to go with a press. What makes you decide that a book should go with a press as opposed to putting it out there yourself? Um, Like I said, the length sometimes a factor um you know sometimes it's hard to find a publisher that'll take like a a 40,000 word book that's not quite a novel but not a little too long to be a novella and they kind of don't know how to market it and for some reason like three of my books actually like fall right into that weird word count range uh so that could be a, a factor sometimes um and and yeah like it's it's just like the content you know to like uh a dinosaur western was kind of hard to find uh, a publisher for it um i had one publisher who was kind of interested but then they kind of ghosted for like a year um 
so a year yeah yeah i've had this like ready to go for a while and i was just waiting for a thunderstorm to um to publish it before i kind of decided to finally decide what to do but i I was talking to a publisher and then they were like yeah 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 and i was like all right cool send me a contract and then they never did so um like a year later i was just like well they're they're not interested i'm just gonna i'm just gonna do it myself i think you gave them ample time yeah (laughs) years good years a good time How much do you think having to edit your giant ass novel contributed to the closing of that publisher? Oh my press? God. <laughs> None, <laughs> but, uh, they did a great job with it. Um, Ken Kane actually edited that novel and, uh, Oh really? Yeah. He did a fantastic job with it. So I wonder how long grateful. it took him. That's a big took him book. A while. It took him a while. And he, he had like, like, he did one more too. I'm sure. Yeah, he's very uh he's very detailed too. So it was like there was a lot of edits and a lot of notes and I don't even know how long the edits took me on that. Not as long as it took me to write the novel three times, but um do you have anything, Chad, before I switch into a little more business uh oriented stuff? No, go ahead. I'm curious, you said a huge percentage of your sales come from Amazon. Are you mostly in KDP Select? Yeah. Yeah, most of my stuff is in KDP Select just because um, I I mean, I do get a lot of page reads, like a decent amount. Uh, I know they don't pay that well, but um, I, I do get a lot of new readers from that. So I think it's beneficial for me. And I think it uh, outweighs going wide and selling like, you know, two copies on Smashwords every three years or something crazy because like there's just no that there's the market is just weird in other places and i know that's not true for for every author because i know some authors who do well on like kobo and nook uh but it's just not the norm mm-hmm. and amazon is just better and plus like you get access to the uh to the ads for um amazon too when you're in select so and certain promotional stuff like the Kindle countdown deal, which I think is pretty cool too. Yeah, no, they, they definitely, I mean, there's a reason they're the industry leader. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you have a bunch of audiobooks? Do you have any audiobooks? I do have audiobooks. I got about five available now. Um, even Wormwood, <laughs> even though Chad and I are pretty sure we're not getting paid for it. <laughs> yeah. Really? But that's another story. That's a story for another time. Yeah. I, do you just not want to talk about it? Is that why? Because I'm I don't kind of curious. Okay. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it's, it's drama. <laughs> That's great. But not uh, getting paid for your work is uh, bullshit. Yeah, it's, it sucks. But um, yeah, I've got like five. Let's see. Uh, yeah, about five. About five audiobooks out. And um, they do okay. I'm not like... Nothing crazy. I mean, the first one I ever did was in the House of Mirrors, and that was like seven years ago, and that one sold quite a bit. Um, but That's I feel a like longer the, novel, right? It's like 80, 90,000. 90, yeah, 90,000 words. Um, so probably a nine-hour audiobook? I think it was longer than that. I think it's like clocks in around 11, 10 or oh, 11. Wow, okay. I think. That would explain so. it. I, I've been noticing a big correlation between length of the yeah. audiobook and sales with Audible in particular. So that's why I was curious. Are any so of your shorter ones, like the 40,000 word books, any of those in audio? Yeah, Switch House is uh, on there. 
sells okay. Um, 69 is on there. That one's about like five hours long. It sells like a couple copies here and there. Uh, but yeah, like the shorter ones don't, I don't sell as much as like the longer ones. Um, the late in summer is, is going to be an audiobook, and I feel very bad for the narrator. <laughs> Who is paying for that? Um, I actually found someone to royalty share that. So, holy crap, man! Yeah, yeah and a really <laughs> and a really good narrator who's done like some amazing stuff too. And he's just like, he's just like, I love the story and I, I want to do it. So, um, I'm like, all right, that's cool. amazing. Yeah, Are and you uh, about, uh, uh, Joe. No, Joe's actually doing um, Paradise Club. I just signed with him. He's going to do Paradise Club sometime. I think at the end of the summer. Um, so that'll be cool. But uh, no, um, somebody else is doing Brilliant Summer, and they're very excited about it. But it's not going to be done. He's not going to start until like January of 2023. So we got a while, be, but it'll be done around 2027. About that, yeah, yeah, yeah. How many words did you say it was? 240? No, no, uh, like it clocks in a, around 190. Oh, but okay, still, you're looking still. at over a 20 hour audiobook. Oh, yeah, probably more than that, I would think. What What is like the, the math that they do? Is it like, uh, is it an hour for 9,000 words? Is that it? Um, mine ends up about. 10,000 words is about an hour, at least with the guy I've used for my last freaking six novels. But he reads fairly quickly, I guess. So I don't know if that's typical. 190,000 words is about seven of my books. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's accurate. I'd be curious how that sells for you then comparatively, just because of the length. I have a feeling you can get a lot of people who will use a credit on that. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be an interesting experience experiment um, to see because I'm kind of curious yeah. too. Because I've always heard that too. Like, there's like a weird algorithm where like Audible will promote the uh, the longer stuff more. Like, you get more visibility with longer works than you do. I mean, shorter. If, if one credit gets you a four hour book or it gets you a twenty hour book, people are going to pick the twenty hour book. That's know? true too. So I, I've just I've noticed it with myself, and I'm really thinking about doing more of my series, putting them in box sets to try mm-hmm. to get them over 20 hours to see how well that does. I have one box set now and it has done really well for me. Why don't you just uh, write a 20,000 word novel or a 200,000 word novel? Way too stupid for that. <laughs> it, it takes me years to, to get to 200,000 words across like three books. You know, Well, you wrote a series, just write it all as one book. That's write another the series, but it takes me, like, I, I get all my ideas in the book and I'm like, I am done. And it takes me like months or years to, to continue it. I mean, I've been writing this. I have a six book series and I've been writing it for eight or nine years now. Yeah. So it's, uh, <laughs> I wish I could do that. I would, uh, plus then I'd have to pay to edit it all at once. And, you know, mm. expensive. I like eating and having a house. Uh, <laughs> I like putting food on the table. Food's good. Um, how do your audio book sales do for a series? Well, well, yeah. I mean, it helps. It helps that I have a, a narrator who's very popular. Mm, that's so that cool. that's helped me a lot. But I have uh, one series where the first book's maybe six and a half hours, and that one doesn't do as well. I've sold a lot of the first book just because I've had it for free forever, mm. so people could get the audiobook for maybe two bucks, something like that. 
Um, but the read, the listen through on that's not as good. But I think if I put them in a box set, that it'll end up doing really well for me because he does a great job across them. And if I do that, it'll end up putting them around 20, 22 hours, maybe for the whole series, something like that. Um, so I'm going to look into that. The only problem is I'm approaching on a lot of them, the end of the royalty share timeframe with mm. him. And if I put them all in a box set with him, then that just extends it another seven years. And I don't know if I want to just wait that out and do it myself or try to do it with him. I'm not sure yet. Yeah. So, yeah. I hear the process for getting out of your audible contracts. The not good. Uh, royalty splits. I've heard it's difficult. I, uh, I think this is the last year for in the house of mirrors. So, or last year might've been, I don't even know. I have to check on that. I'm really bad at keeping up. That's like the one thing I think I need to improve as a writer is like getting my shit organized and contracts and stuff. But yeah, I think uh, it's coming to an end maybe this year the in the House of Mirrors because that was the first one I ever did. And that was probably like 2015-ish. So, and they're like seven years, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it would probably be this year. So, I'll have to look into that and see see what's going on with that. Who was talking to us about that, Chad? Was it Zach Bohannon? Um, I think I it, like was. it was. Yeah, I think I it was because I, was, back I started asking questions about box set audiobooks for existing audiobooks. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to go back and listen. I think it was him who was talking about it. So when you say, when you get this audiobook out and you, now that you've self-published malignant summer, that's a huge book. Are you charging? What are you, what are you charging for say the ebook? Uh, five ninety nine. That's very which, reasonable for that length yeah. of book, which was actually a couple bucks cheaper than what the publisher was uh, charging for it. But that makes sense too, because they needed a cut. And they wanted to make sure I was getting a good cut. So now that the cut's all going to me, I decided to like lower it a little bit. And plus it's been out a year. So I thought it was a good opportunity to to drop the price down a little bit. Um, The hardcover is going to be a little bit expensive just because it costs a lot to make. I think it's retailing at like 33. Yeah. I mean, it takes like three trees a book. So that makes sense. So and like the royalty on that is very small too at 33 i'm only making like a few bucks off of the off crazy. of the book it's wild um even the paperback i think it's priced currently at 22 um with like a um, well, i might actually lower it once cuz the other edition is actually still up on amazon and i've been trying to fight with them to get it taken down which is not going what very well. So um, that's a whole story. Um, the publisher's edition is still for sale. Yeah, the paperbacks. They're like they're oh. having they're ha- the publishers having problems getting the uh, paperback editions of a lot of their titles taken down from um, all retailers across the board. So I think Ingram Spark is giving them some issues, but. It's between them and, and Amazon. Someone's got to get it taken down. So. Yeah, it just sucks if they're selling copies of your book and who's getting paid. Well, uh, I would like to think that he'll pay us out once the dust settles, but um, Hopefully. who knows? Who knows? It's all up in the air. That's the one thing that it's the one thing that sucks about you know going through small press publishers is that. <clears throat> A lot of the times these places are run by one person, maybe two people if you're lucky. 
And if something happens to them, um, it could be anything. It could be just like a, a life event. Um, financially, they're not doing well personally, so they have to put the publishing business aside. And sometimes they don't pay or there's so many different things that can go wrong. And like you're potentially your whole backlog is in the hands of, of this one person. So um, that's always something to think about too, when you're going through small presses versus self-publishing Whereas self-publishing as Chad points out almost daily to me is that uh, I get to have control over all of my stuff. And like, there's only one person to blame if it goes wrong and that's yourself. So um, yeah, so it's, it's definitely, it's definitely hard. It's like a, I don't know. I've, I see both sides. I see both sides. I've noticed uh, recently just having conversations with people and, and being on Twitter and stuff that, um, that uh, people are starting to get a little tired of small presses and starting to um, have a wandering eye toward self-publishing and, and considering it just because of, you know, Silver Shamrock going under and then, you know, like Poltergeist Press and, and what was the other Sinister Grin? Was that the one? Yeah. All three of my publishers, by the way. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, and there's, bit, death. And there's been others and it just puts uh, the writer in a bind. And, and I think Shamrock hit the hardest because it had gotten so popular so quick. Um, and then, you know, with the people who either just put a book out or were getting ready and getting excited and then, you know, having that pulled up from under them, a lot of people are, are seeing, I don't know, it's like you can't really tell who's going to go under and why. Yeah. Yeah, it could happen at any point. Like I was saying, I mean, just one bad thing away from from imploding and so that's something to just be mindful about if you're you're going with a small press There's have you had risk. any bad experiences getting your work back when someone folded no um i've been pretty lucky um in all three of those situations um the rights were either just handed back to me or i just was like hey can i have the rights and they were like yep here's a little here's a letter um so i haven't had any any issues getting stuff back um but that could be an issue you know you get someone who who goes under and refuses to give you the rights back or you know god forbid they pass away or something and they were the only one in charge of the thing and then it's like how do you even get the rights back like what's the protocol for that like there's crazy stuff that could happen so um but I've been lucky enough to where I've I've actually gotten the rights back pretty quickly. So that's good because I've heard some horror stories. And that's yeah. one thing that always concerned me. Yeah, I mean it could could easily happen, and then your book is locked up for like length of that contract, essentially, right? So, um, yeah, it that and that's why I think it's good to also diversify and like spread them out to different small presses or keep some for yourself. That's another reason why I, I like to have some of my stuff self-published because what if all these publishers go under and I can't get the rights back for those books? Like at least I'll have something to, to be in control of and I'll have something on the market to sell. Um, whereas like I know authors who have just exclusively published with one press and it could happen to a, a mainstream publisher too, like a traditional 
big five publisher, one of them can go under two. Um, so it's not like exclusive to the small press. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I like to, to have some of my own stuff in my backlog so I can control it. And if something does happen, I have something to sell. Do you try to adhere to any kind of publishing schedule? I ask because if you were sitting on a book for a year, that's got to throw things all over yeah, the place. I mean, I'm usually ahead anyway. Like I have five things right now that could be probably published. So I always have things like, yeah, I don't like just as wow. soon as, uh, as soon as the, uh, as soon as it's ready to go, I don't, um, I don't just like get it out there. I kind of like to sit on them a little bit just because I'm also like picky with my, my editing and my drafts. And like, I always want to do like one more draft on it to make it like as perfect as I possibly can make it. Um, so like, I'm not in any rush, but, I also like to have like a novel just in case like someone approaches me that I would want to work with and be like, Hey, do you have a novel? And I'd be like, no, I don't have anything. So at least I'd have something to like give that person or, um, yeah, I just, I, I kind of stockpile things so I can kind of space things out that way too. I've heard of a trunk novel, but five, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, I've got uh, a couple novels. I got a short story collection that I think I have, sold i haven't gotten the contract but like a verbal agreement um and then i have like four novellas that i'm like shopping slash um debating whether or not to do myself so um yeah so i have like five or six things that are just sitting there (laughs) that's so crazy to hear when i get a book done i'm like (laughs) i'm releasing this in two weeks like (laughs) yeah as soon as i get it back from the editor I don't know why. I I think part of it is because like I always do like that one last draft. Because even when I think something's done, like I always like to run through it one more time. Um, I think that's just like a that's just a thing for me. Um, but then there's also like like I said, there's there's things that happen. Certain publishers open up an open call that I want to work with, so I like to have something ready for that. Um, and then, like, one novel I've been kind of shopping around to to literary agents, which is, like, a crazy experience if, if you've never done it before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I, I like to have a novel just for that, too, to try and, to try and get a, a literary agent. Because that's one of my goals for, like, the next few years is to try and get one, so... I, I'm so blown away by that five, <laughs> five books. <laughs> that so, so blows my mind. Chad, do you have any questions before we start rounding this out? I didn't think that was uncommon, though. I think that's like a, I mean, some there's some like traditionally published um, novelists that that just have like fifteen to twenty novels just kind of like sitting there, and then they'll give their agents like all of them, and then the agents will pick out which ones that they want to try to sell, and then those other novels just kind of like get cast aside for for a rainy day. I think that's fairly yeah. normal. I don't know if it's normal, but I know that Mallerman had what 26 or 27 of them before yeah. he Mallerman's definitely abnormal in that regard. Yeah. Most people well, don't write that many books and I was li- I was listening to I think it was Stephen Graham Jones too um talk on a podcast and he kind of said a similar thing. He had like 15 novels that were just like sitting around and his agent just goes through them and like was like, "Yep, uh 
my heart is a chainsaw is the next one that we're going to try to sell. And that's the one that, what? that gets picked. And yeah. Chad, so, how many do you have right now? <laughs> do you have any that aren't done? That aren't I have done? three that are done that, that uh, are, but they're, they're scheduled to be released this year. So you have like contracts signed and everything. Yes, for sure. Yeah. yeah they're all coming out. Yeah. So I have like six things that have no contracts or anything. They're just, they're Holy just in the pile. Crap. That's so funny. That's and so. I, but I'm halfway through like two or three other books. But that, that's because this opportunity pops up, or this, you know, I, I've got a lot of stuff on the back burner that should have been done by now, but not complete. Okay, that makes sense. I've got a bunch of like third written novels. I always get stuck around the first act. Oh, and then if, if I push through, I'm good. But if I don't, then I just have thirty thousand words oh. sitting there. Oh, I have like ten of those too. <laughs> yeah. I've I've got those. <laughs> I've got uh yeah, I've got a few of those, Eric. Thirty, forty thousand words is like like the spot. If you don't get past yep. that, I feel like you're kind of fucked. Yeah. Yeah, I, I often hit thirty thousand words and I'm like, this is the point where I'm like, okay, this story's really working for me or it's not. And if it's yeah. not, I just grind Dude, to a halt. Same thing. And I think that has to do with um like the novels that I, I do that with are usually ones that I have no like outline or anything i'm just like shooting from the hip mm-hmm. and uh yeah like it's like 30 40 000 words man it's just like that's that's the the point where you just like tap out if you, you got nothing left so that's when i'm typing the end boy i was gonna say that's two of chad's books <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what we have to do we just have to go into all those documents and just type the end and and we're good we got a lusky novel yeah i like that just got done introducing all the characters and we're done so <laughs> <laughs> so we always ask two questions at the end first what one thing have you done or didn't work or whatever that you would just recommend people not do um that's tough because like any type of marketing or promotional stuff is like not like a one size fits all type of situation yeah. like like what works what didn't work for me might be amazing for somebody else but um personally like having a blog like i try to get into blogging like early on mm-hmm. in my career and like just writing like stupid blog posts about anything and everything and doing like top 10 lists of of books and movies because those are always like easy clickbaity stuff that you can mm-hmm. usually drive traffic to your website with but ultimately the people who did come to the website they weren't buying books or anything they were just there to look at the list or I don't know, just to click on it and then go back to whatever it was they were <laughs> doing before that. Um, so like, I, I would say for me, blogging is like not worth the time. Um, Do people still blog? I feel like social media absolutely killed that. I think it totally ago. did. Um, but I mean, just like any type of content on your, your website, like I only have a website just, just to maintain a presence and also to sell signed books through. And that's it. Like, that's the yeah. only thing that's on there. If like something big pops up, like um, I'll put an announcement up there. Like last year I signed with a, a film and TV agent. So like I put that on there, um, but like nothing, nothing else really. Yeah. No, I, I went through my blogging phase too. It, I mean, it worked for a little while, 10 years ago, but uh, you get traffic, but I, it never translated for to sales for me, at least none that I could, you know, see. Right. So I, I always wrote funny stuff for my blog that 
translated into my books. I didn't do mm. like things that didn't really work. So I, it worked kind of well, but once Facebook, um, pages came out really and everybody started to migrate to that it just absolutely obliterated the traffic to my site yeah and uh i mean another thing that kind of goes with that a little bit because another reason why i wanted to have a website was to build like a mailing list up and Mm -hmm. um i don't know like i just never was able to build a mailing list from that either which is kind of like the whole point of trying to drive traffic to the to the blog so it's just kind of a big fail for me but that's all right. What one thing has worked the best for you? Um, writing the best book that I can and getting it into the right reader's hands so they can talk about it. I think word of mouth is like the best promotional tool you have and the cheapest. So I don't know. I think, I think like getting the, the book into the hands of reviewers that have a lot of um, like presence and uh, almost like influencer type, the equivalent of the, like an influencer in the book world, um, getting your books in their hands and, and hoping that they like it and want to shout your book to the rooftop is, is probably the most important thing. And that's honestly worth the best for me. Like I wouldn't have the career that I have without people like Sadie who you guys have had on the show um, kind of pulling for my work and, and always promoting me. And um, so I, I owe those people a great deal for, for where I am now. Um, So yeah, I would say that works the best. Just, just getting your, your book in the right people's hands so they can help promote you. All right. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate you. Good seeing your face again. Good seeing yours. Yeah. I'll see you in six months.